paying too much for health insurance? Frustrated by high deductibles, network restrictions, and increasing premiums? There's a better way. Christian Healthcare Ministries. CHM is a Christian community delivering a robust, faith based solution to the high cost of healthcare. If your current health insurance has become more of a racket than a remedy, take back control of your healthcare at around half the price. Learn more and enroll today at chministries.org. That's chministries.org. From Fox News, it's the campaign with Brett Baer. Last week, both President Trump and Democratic presidential nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden, visited Kenosha, Wisconsin in the aftermath of the police shooting of Jacob Blake. While announcing record-breaking fundraising, Biden made multiple media appearances throughout the week, weighing in on the economy, the pandemic, the ongoing civil unrest. Meanwhile, President Trump held a rally in the battleground state of Pennsylvania, praising the work of law enforcement, condemning protesters, and calling for more law and order. In addition to the campaign trail... The schedule for the 2020 presidential debates was announced last week, and Fox's own Chris Wallace will be moderating the first of three debates on September 29th in Cleveland, Ohio. Susan Page of USA Today, frequent podcast panelist, uh, Washington bureau chief there. Um, She'll moderate the vice presidential debate on October 7th in Salt Lake City, Utah. And Steve Scully of C-SPAN. Kirsten Welker of NBC round out the rest of the moderators. We'll start there with our socially distant panel, editor and CEO of The Dispatch, Stephen Hayes, political editor at the National Journal, Josh Krashauer, and Fox News politics editor, Chris Steyerwalt. Okay, guys, Chris, that first debate really will set the table for the rest of the campaign. I mean, we can't kind of overstate the magnitude of that political moment, right? Well, you'd think so, but then again, in uh, I, I compared this electorate to the digestive system of a goose. Uh, it doesn't seem to hold on to anything for very long, uh, and the race keeps <laughs> reverting back. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> it does, and, and you know, I don't know. Uh, people's attitudes are so dug in. I think when you when you talk about these debates and, it, and it's good to have their best moderator up first in in Chris Wallace because that'll set the tone and that's the stuff. And there's probably not going to be any crowd there. There's not. It's going to be it's going to be a tough space. The expectations for Biden are really low, and the expectations for Trump are really high. Um, and he's going to you know myrtleize Biden, he says. And we read today. Uh, Politico reports that the Trump campaign is trying to get the president to take seriously the work of preparation and take seriously uh, this stuff, which he didn't do. He he ad-libbed in 2016. They want him to have his zingers ready and be ready to go. So so they know that they've got a high bar to reach. Josh, thoughts? I mean, the debate is one of the biggest moments left in the campaign. We, we saw that, you know, I think you got a small bounce from the conventions, uh, President Trump's job approval up to about 43 percent in the average national polls, but that's not enough to, to, to win an election in all likelihood. So he's gonna need to have a moment. He's gonna need to underscore the argument he's making that, that Joe Biden is kind of a hostage of the left in the Democratic Party, that he may not be ready for prime time. Uh, and he's gonna have to hammer that home in that, in that first debate with Chris Wallace. Uh, it, it's tough, I mean, historically, you do see some debates that really change 
the the race in the immediate aftermath. And I'm thinking 2012 when Mitt Romney had a very uh, strong and defining debate performance against then President Obama. But then after the next two debates and, and after the, all, all the debates were finished, the, 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 the balance dissipated. And Obama was able to regain his, his momentum. So, you know, this is the, the fact that we don't have a, a real campaign trail. We're starting to see actual campaign this week, but, you know, it's not going to be the same as, as normal. Uh, those debates are going to matter a whole lot, and Trump is going to really have to reset the trajectory of the campaign. Well, I mean, I will say, Steve, that the questions, uh, we said that Biden took questions, and he did take a few questions. And over this past week and recent days, they haven't really been that pointed. The questioning um they've been pretty that's that is that's that's generous generous. (laughs) it's very generous i mean it was a little bit of what are you what enchants you it really was kind of over the top on friday yeah there was there was a press briefing friday and and i mean the 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 questions were sort of the height of absurdity are are you mr vice president are you magnificent or awesome why aren't Uh, you more angry yeah aren't you more angry it, that it, was the, it wasn't the good. Wall. Whoa! Look, there there are real questions to to ask Joe Biden. I mean, I think one of the things we've seen in in this sort of campaign, non campaign so far, is is that with the the coronavirus dominating certain aspects of the debate and the economy taking up whatever oxygen is left, you haven't really seen sort of deeply penetrating questions for either candidate on issues. And Joe Biden, of course, hasn't subjected himself to much media uh, questioning. And Donald Trump, even when he gets those kinds of questions, likes to turn them to attacks on Joe Biden or uh, smacks at the media or name calling or what, what have you. There's a really interesting and important policy to be to, to be had here. And if you look at Joe Biden in particular, a lot of the things he's proposing, I would argue, are, are awfully far to the left, even relative to what Hillary Clinton ran on in 2016 and Barack Obama ran on in 2012. You look at his $11 trillion in proposed new spending over the next decade, that is orders of magnitude more than his Democratic predecessors proposed. So I would hope and expect that in a more serious format, uh, he would get some of those kinds of questions to press him. And I think Donald Trump is going to have to answer for all of the, you know, he, he gets when he when he sits down with friendly interviewers, as he prefers to do, he gets questions that will allow him to turn the questions into easy attacks or sound bites or he goes off on on some ramble. He's not going to be able to do that in, in this format. So I do think even though that that if you believe there's they're going to be competing over these undecided voters, there aren't many of them left. I think Josh is, is right. The, the potential impact of the debates could be pretty significant because I expect that they'll be questioned on things they haven't really spoken to that much. Yeah. Is it fair, Chris, to, to say that the Biden campaign right now is is and from the convention on has pitched it as Joe Biden brings normalcy back. He is a decent man who um, respects the office and would bring kind of that that presidential aura back to the Oval Office. Um, But when it comes to policy, He's not going to get into specific policy. The other day in Kenosha, he said, um, "I could talk about my tax policy, but they'll shoot me." Uh, at one point in that uh, in, in that Q and A, which is not the best images in Kenosha at that time, but I think the other side is Donald Trump, who's saying, 
listen, you may not like me, you may not like the tweets, but here's the things I've done and here are the policies that, that I have. You know, it's almost the exact opposite pitch. So, you know, Trump went into the Republican convention with Democrats making three principal charges against him. The first was that he is a bigot. I think Republicans substantially and effectively rebutted that claim, uh, whether it was, you know, a Muslim woman, people of color from around the world being naturalized or Tim Scott's speech or whatever. Herschel the Republicans, Walker. I think, made a Herschel Walker. Uh, the what through all of those things, Republicans, I think, made a very good argument that they were a, a party, an inclusive party, and that Donald Trump was not bigoted. So I think they effectively dealt with it. Then there's then there's two other questions about Trump. One is, is he and this relates to what he was impeached for? And this relates to complaints about his use of the White House. Uh, is he uh, self-dealing? Is he using his office for uh, to to further his own dreams, goals, wishes and wealth? Uh, and then the last one and most important one allegation from Democrats is that Trump failed on the coronavirus and is failing still. The best thing about the unrest and the racial tensions in the United States for Trump, however, the issue cuts, it's not about coronavirus. Every day that they're not talking about coronavirus, that's good for Trump because voters overwhelmingly disapprove of his handling of the situation. So I think I think for Trump, he doesn't like he wants this to be a personal campaign. He's better than Biden and Biden wants it to be a personal campaign. He says, I'm better than Trump. But when you get down to it for Trump, the issue, even if he could go to the issue sets, even if he could go to that place, they don't want to talk about coronavirus. And coronavirus is the unescapable thing about 2020. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly, it's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Steve, the thing that came up Thursday into Friday is this Atlantic piece and uh, unnamed sources, but uh, about his trip to France and whether he goes to the cemetery or not and whether he used the word losers and suckers in reference to U.S. war dead. White House pushes back extremely hard on this. John Bolton comes out and gives an on-the-record interview in which he says, essentially, I didn't hear anything like that and... If I did, didn't, don't you think I'd put it in my book? Uh, which is a fair point. And saying that the the call was made by a weather call. We have other reporting saying uh, that people heard heard the president say this. So how does this play out? Um, and would you have gone with that story without anybody on the record? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say um, because only Jeffrey Goldberg, the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic, knows who his sources are on that. I mean, if I have good sources, if I have four solid sources who I trust, I would have I would have reported the story. Um, you know, and, and it's interesting that that Fox's own Jennifer Griffin, whose reporting I trust just about more than anybody I, I follow closely, um, has confirmed several aspects of the story. She said that it rings true, according to her sources, but nobody was in the room. So, but some el- other elements about other talks about Vietnam and, and that, you know, like her reporting is a little bit no- more nuanced. But go ahead. 
Yeah. So, look, I, I think this is this is one of those stories that will preoccupy Washington and there will be a ton of back and forth on it. And do you believe him? Do you don't do you not believe him? And I'm not sure it tells us anything particularly new about Donald Trump. I mean, it is the case. The things about that, John McCain, he said publicly. I mean, publicly. he's he said those very things similar. publicly. They're very similar. I was there. I was at the the event in Ames, Iowa, when with Frank Donald Trump made those comments about uh, about John McCain, and then when I, we went down to a, a basement in in the building and grilled him at a press conference about this, he repeatedly said the same kinds of things about John McCain. He wasn't a war hero. He was bad on veterans affairs. And, on and on and on. And when I asked him, the final question I asked him, uh, we went back and forth several times. And I, I said, are you aware? Have you taken a, a look and read about what John McCain endured uh, as a prisoner of war? And Trump looked at me and responded and said, it's irrelevant. So you already have Donald Trump making comments like this on the record and in public, in that case, on video, on audio tape. So I don't think people who think well of Donald Trump and have set that aside are going to suddenly think poorly of Donald Trump. I don't think that people who thought of that as a big moment, a, sort of a, a window into his character, are going to change their minds either because of this latest reporting. Yeah, Josh, I mean, it it did have a little, I mean, the Biden campaign obviously hopped right on it. Uh, Joe Biden spent a lot of time talking about it Friday, and the campaign has already put out an ad that quotes the Atlantic quotes. Um, so they're clearly aimed at military families or some suburban women, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the story was both shocking but not surprising for the for the reasons that, that Steve laid out. It, it was McCain. We, we remember the Gold Star, Akizer Khan, the parent of, of a Gold Star uh, serviceman, who that became a big issue in 2016. Jim Mattis recently went on the record to speak out against the president using the military inappropriately. So a lot of this, as Steve said, is sort of priced into the politics. It, the story, if it's true, is indefensible, some of the stuff that the, the president allegedly said. But, you know, I think there was a Military Times poll that came out this week that, you know, even if this is priced in, I think the reason the Biden campaign jumped so aggressively on this is that they are seeing a little bit of movement among military servicemen, people who rank national security as, as a top issue. Uh, the poll actually found among active servicemen, uh, active military, Trump is actually losing by four points, 41 to 37 percent. That's a big difference from, from 2016 when Trump actually won that same group. And Trump's job approval among these voters is, is up to about 50 percent, which is much different, much higher than it was in 2016. So it's not, you know, I think that it's not going to be a, a huge game changer in the campaign. But there's a reason the Biden campaign gave a speech. Biden was about as animated as I've seen him uh, this week in, in condemning Trump's alleged comments and the reason they already went up with surrogates and, and, and an advertisement to, to really go after the president, the president on this issue. Yeah, Chris, the, we're going about, and we've said this every time, 2,000 news cycles away from um, Election Day. Uh, and it, I, we should get ready and not sugarcoat this, that this is going to be ugly in the next 59 days, 58 days. But is the biggest thing still the debates or the thing that we don't know yet? Well, I mean, you know, where the voting begins, right? The ballots are, are out in North Carolina. Mail ballots are out in North Carolina. Uh, it's going to be 59 days of voting. And then we'll be counting for two weeks. <laughs> we'll be counting for two weeks after that. So please come down and uh, bring us a jolt cola in the decision desk. <laughs> decision uh, desk. Through, why can't the, these the states cost. say, why can't these states say, hey, listen, if you want your ballot in, 
it's got to be in by October 30th or something. Some of the states are changing their law or are attempting to change their laws and rules because what we want and what America wants and what is good for everybody is that if the ballots get counted beforehand, they can still keep counting those that come in if they want to say, oh, you have to be postmarked by the day. Fine. But what's important for my selfish interests are that those ballots get counted on election. The mail-in ballots that are in get counted on election night so we can make reasonable forecasts. I think voters should just bear in mind this as they go through the process. There are very few persuadable voters, relatively speaking. Um, And the only way the path for Donald Trump goes one direction, and it is he has to bring Joe Biden's numbers down to where Hillary Clinton's numbers were. And ultimately, the change in dynamic between now and 2016 that is the most obvious is that Joe Biden is a much tougher person to 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 besmirch than Hillary Clinton was. And the Trump campaign needs to do that. So it is going to be very ugly because I would suspect that the incumbent's closing argument is going to be about Joe Biden's family, about Joe Biden is a crook, about Joe Biden is this. So I think we're going to see the kind of mudslinging that would, would have made us blush even eight years ago. We've all seen Matt Taibbi's reporting on Trump uh, before, and he's got an interesting piece out, uh, Steve, where he essentially says that um, this is a culture that has been addicted to Trump and that he's jumped into these politics and the pattern's been the same in that he has all of these liabilities and these character flaws, but then he leaves armed with winnable issues every time because he provokes his rivals to the point where they drop what they're doing and they spend their time screaming at him and then they overshoot and then the overshoot enables or empowers some part of the Trump process which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that is demonstrable. It's one of the things that we've seen over the past five years. Is his, his critics are, in some ways, his, his primary source of strength. And a lot of the people who support Donald Trump support him because they really, really don't like his, his critics and the people who, who take him on. I'd say I agree entirely with Chris about what's about to unfold over the, these final couple months. The, the one thing that I would add is I think we will see a, a substantial number of externalities that can shape and affect this race, including and especially um, the use of bad information, false information, misinformation, disinformation um, through uh, potentially foreign sources, potentially domestic sources, but things that will be thrown into the kind of maelstrom of information that we try to deal with on a daily basis just covering what's happening that will require people like us to very quickly sort out what's real, what's not real, the provenance of this information, um, how to attribute it and how to treat it. I mean, I think journalists are going to be stuck answering some very difficult questions in the the next couple months about how to handle this kind of bad information. Yeah. I'll just leave with this. This is Taibbi, and he's no fan of Trump and would like to see him lose, but he says, um, this is all beginning to feel like a slow-motion rerun of the same car crash from four years ago when resentment, rubbernecking, and lurid fascination pulled him across the finish line. People claim to hate him, but they never turn off the show in time, not grasping that Trump always knows how to turn their negative attention into someone else's vote. It's just interesting... uh, 
Framing by Matt Taibbi. Uh, panel, thanks so much. Here's a little campaign trivia. September 26, 2008, the first presidential debate 2008 election was held between Republican nominee Arizona Senator John McCain and Democratic nominee Illinois Senator Barack Obama. The debate was originally intended to focus on the candidate's foreign policy. However, as a result of the financial crisis at the time, a segment of the debate was dedicated to hearing the candidate's plans on economic issues. Obviously, Obama went on to win. That will do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Steve and Josh and Chris, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time.